the reading today is John 6, uh, verses 25 to 40, on page uh, 1070 of the Church Bible. That's uh, John 6, verses 25 to 40. Jesus, the bread of life. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. You were looking for me, not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, What must we do to do the works God requires? Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, What miraculous sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our forefathers ate the manna in the desert, as it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, from now on give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And, and this is the will of, of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all that he has given me, but raise them up on the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son, to the Son and believes in him, shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Alan. You are what you eat. You've all heard that, haven't you? You are what you eat. In 2004, Morgan Spurlock made a documentary film. It was called Super Size Me. For 30 days, he resolved to live by just two rules alone. The first rule was this. He would only eat from McDonald's. He would choose whatever he wanted from the menu, but he would only eat from McDonald's. That was the first rule. And the second rule was every time they offered him a super-sized meal, he would accept Okay, so do you want fries with that? Yes, please. Do you want to go extra large? Yes, please. Do you want a big Coke? Yes, please. That would be his diet for 30 days. As you might imagine, things did not go terribly well. In just 12 days, his weight rocketed. He began to suffer headaches. He had a lethargic spirit. He uh, had mood swings. He didn't like the person he was turning into physically or emotionally, and neither did the people around him. He did survive, though, and an important lesson was learnt. 
fast food might be great as an occasional treat, but you can't make it the thing that you build your life around. In our passage today, Jesus uses food to teach something about himself. If you look a little bit earlier in the chapter, there's just been the the feeding of the 5,000, that great miracle where Jesus takes a few loaves and uh, some fish and he feeds 5,000 people. And this is uh, the next day. And a number of those people who are fed in that crowd are following him and wanting to find out, who is this teacher? Who is this one who provides a free lunch? And so Jesus declares, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Two things about uh, Jesus that him being the bread of life uh, speaks to. The first thing it speaks to is the universality of Jesus, that Jesus is for everyone. Bread is made around the world. And it has been made since the dawn of civilization. In 1948, archaeologists in Iraq unearthed an ancient village. They found artifacts there dating back 7,000 years to the dawn of civilization. They found a really primitive grindstone. And on it, two kinds of wheat, or seeds for wheat very similar to wheat which is grown for bread today. Chinese historians record the growing of wheat some 4,700 years ago. The first stories in the Bible are full of references of wheat growing, of being stored, of being made into bread. The consumption of bread is universal. It can be made from wheat, from rice, from corn or rye. It's normally baked in an oven in some parts of the world. It's buried in the ashes of a fire. It can be cooked in oil. In China, it's steamed. The ingredients are simple. A cereal crop, water, and sometimes yeast. In Scandinavia, bread is made from rye. Brazilians love their cheese bread. Eritreans, their flatbread. Mexicans, their tortillas. The naan bread of of India is probably the bread eaten most widely in the world. In every corner of the world, you will find a form of bread. Wherever there is human life, that life is sustained by bread. And this helps us to understand some of the significance of the words of Jesus. I am the bread of life. It's an incredible claim. It's the claim that he is the one who can give sustenance to a hungry world. The bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Verse 33 of our reading. There's a reminder here that life is found in Jesus and found in Jesus alone. Jesus isn't just the Jewish Messiah, but he is the hope for the whole world. And that means there's no corner of the world that is off limits to him. There's no corner of the world that doesn't need him. There's no country or culture that is excused or could or should be denied the gospel message. The message of who Jesus is and what he has done. 
the scriptures are clear about the universal uh, situation of humanity. All have fallen short. All are dead in their sins. All are living in darkness. And yet, all can find forgiveness in Christ. All can find new life in Christ. All can find the light of life in Christ. How people respond to Jesus will look different from place to place. How people respond at Soul Survival will look different to how they respond in West Bridgeford. Which aspects of Jesus' message will resonate in a particular culture will vary between traditions. There are as many different churches around the world as there are breads around the world. But all those different churches, all those different responses to Jesus will all celebrate communion at the heart of their worship. They will all testify that life is found in the bread of heaven. And the bread of heaven is Jesus. Jesus being the bread of life speaks to the universality of him, that he is for everyone, or another way of putting it, that everyone has need of him. And it also speaks to the sufficiency of Jesus. What do I mean by that? Well, to put it bluntly, that Jesus is enough. That Jesus is his own reward. Jesus didn't come to give bread, to break bread, to make bread. Jesus is the bread from heaven. There's a couple of rebukes in our narrative, a a couple of uh, uh, harsh words of Jesus in um, his uh, speech. Verse 26, you are looking for me because you had your fill. Why do you work for bread which will not last? He's saying to the crowds who are looking for him because they were there at the feeding of the 5,000, you are coming to me for the wrong reason. You've got things upside down. And the thing that they had upside down is that they were coming to Jesus and they were saying, what can you do for me? What will you do for me, Jesus? Will you feed me? And if you will feed me, if you will give me bread, I will follow you. And Jesus says, you are wasting your time. You're wasting your time if you solely come to me for what I can do for you. Jesus is the bread of life. He is his own reward. We all have needs, we all have concerns, we all have worries, we all have trials and tribulations. At different levels, we will all come to Jesus and we'll ask him to meet our needs. He invites us to lay our concerns before him. Concerns about our businesses, our health, our family, our relationships, our bank accounts. But if we only come to Jesus for what he can do for us, then we miss who he is. 
He doesn't promise that he will save every business. He doesn't promise that he will heal every sickness. He doesn't promise that he will give confidence to everybody who lacks it. He doesn't promise that he will restore every relationship. But he does promise that he will not lose any who are given to him. He does promise that he will satisfy the hunger of the human heart. He just promised that he will give a life that will last, go on forever. Jesus declared, He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. Not a reference to physical hunger or physical thirst, but spiritual hunger and spiritual thirst. The hunger that is at the heart of every man, woman, and child. We were made for God. We were made to eat the bread of heaven. And we'll be hungry until we feast upon him. One of my favorite writers is uh, Max Licardo, and he's written a a meditation on Jesus, uh, the bread of life. And um, um, we're going to have that read uh, now for us. Thank you. Bread is eaten daily. Some fruits are available only in season. Some drinks are made only at holidays. Not so with bread. And not so with Jesus. He should be brought to our table every day. We let him nourish our hearts, not just in certain months or on special events, but daily. Bread can meet many needs, So can Jesus. He has a word for the lonely as well as for the popular. He has help for the physically ill and the emotionally ill. If your vision is clear, he can help you. If your vision is cloudy, he can help you. Jesus can meet each need. Can you see why Jesus called himself the bread of life? I can think of one other similarity. Consider how bread is made. Think about the process. Wheat grows in the field, then it is cut down, winnowed, and ground into flour. It passes through the fire of the oven and is then distributed around the world. Only by this process does bread become bread. Each step is essential. Jesus grew up as a small plant before the Lord. One of thousands in Israel, indistinguishable from the person down the street or the child in the next chair. Had you seen him as a youngster, you wouldn't have thought he was the son of God. He was just a boy, one of hundreds, like a staff of wheat in the wheat field. But like wheat, he was cut down. Like chaff, he was pounded and beaten. He was wounded for the wrong we did. He was crushed for the evil we did. And like bread, he passed through the fire. On the cross, he passed through the fire of God's anger, not because of his sin, but because of ours. 
The Lord has put on him the punishment for all the evil we have done. Jesus experienced each part of the process of making bread, the growing, the pounding, the firing. And just as each is necessary for bread, each was also necessary for Christ to become the bread of life. The Christ must suffer these things before he enters his glory. Luke 24:26. The next part of the process, the distribution, Christ leaves with us. We are the distributors. We can't force people to eat the bread, but we can make sure they have it. John 6:35. I am the bread that gives life. In a few moments, we will break bread together. Uh, The last thing Jesus did when he was with his disciples was he broke bread with them. He shared bread with them. And that was to be a reminder of these words and the significance of these words. They were to be a reminder of his life and his death and his resurrection. As we uh, share bread and wine together, we'll remind ourselves of the words that Jesus said. This is my body broken for you. And the bread is not perfectly preserved, but it is broken open that it might be shared. This is my blood that was shed for you. And the wine is not kept in a beautiful wine cabinet, but is poured out and is to be uh, drunk. Powerful symbols, powerful reminders of who Jesus is and what he's done for us and for the world. Powerful reminders that he is the bread of life. There's just two requirements to receive uh, this bread. The first is repentance. The second is hunger. Repentance is saying, I'm going to put you at the center of my life. I'm not going to work for uh, food that will not last, but I'm going to live for you, Jesus. I'm going to uh, come to you and feed upon you. And so in the church teaching, one of the requirements is that all who would receive uh, the bread and wine are baptised. That they've had that symbol of repentance and new life and new faith uh, marked upon them. That they live in the light of that baptism. And the second requirement is that you are hungry. That you are hungry. That you want to feed upon Christ. That you want to know more of him and grow in him and live your life in the light of who he is. And so our table this morning is open to all who are baptised, whether you're a member of this church or of another church visiting here today. It's open to all who are hungry, who would feed upon Christ, who would meet with him, who would give their uh, desires to him and live in the light of the life that he offers. like to come forward this morning and not receive it's not appropriate for you at this time then I invite you to come forward and to just stand with us at the front and uh, myself and those who are administering communion will say a prayer for you just lay a hand on your shoulder and say a prayer of blessing for you
Um, the way we're going to do communion this morning is the way we sometimes do it at the, the 10.30 service. We'll have uh, two stations here, one on my left, one at the right. Uh, we'll line up in the middle of the church. The stewards will direct you, come forward and receive the bread and then the wine and then return around the sides uh, to your seat. But before we do that, uh, Christina is going to lead us again in song. So Christina, if you'd like to come up and I'll lead us in prayer. Let's bow our heads.